Hi. I got a tape I want to play. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Your move, creep. Take me to the volcano! So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Come with me if you want to live. This town needs an enema. Dr. Kid, I need a bacchiatomy. Yes, that's a human ear, all right. I got a bad feeling about this. So it's come to this. Ooh. Ooh, I got chills. <laughs> That's It's come to chills. It has come to this. It has come to uh, this. I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. We we do some voices occasionally on this oh, show. No. <laughs> we have some fun, you know? We try to. I try to but have fun on this podcast. So you should know, every time we do a voice, there's about 20 minutes of cut audio of us convincing each other, I don't think you should do this voice. <laughs> this is bad. Well, you don't know. I'm going to leave the 20 minutes in this. <laughs> yeah, that's we're our full gonna, intro. We're, we're going to play the ramp up where I tried to impersonate Victor Wong. I have, there's a movie voice well. trap for me uh, that we fall into a lot, which is Donald Pleasance. Oh, yeah. It's, it's too easy to watch Halloween and not just do Pleasance voice. Death has come to your town, sure. <laughs> sound like Bowie. <laughs> it always sounds like David Bowie doing Donald Pleasance. I love it. <laughs> Death has come to town. Death has come to your town, child. There's so many shades to this Donald Pleasance. Uh, yeah, it's always like... Or or it's like, uh, yeah, Jermaine from uh, Flight of the Oh, yeah, that was a very Jermaine. <laughs> it's Jermaine doing Bowie, doing Donald Pleasance. Because, yeah, there's always so many Donald Pleasants. He's always the guy in these movies. He's in a zillion genre movies. And he's always the guy with the sound bites. So it's like, it's the Prince of Darkness. And it's like, that's the thing playing on all the TV spots. And then uh, then he has the other classics like, I'm the Duke. You, you are the Duke. Yeah. <laughs> so Pleasance is one of these, uh, I will say, two things about this movie. Okay, we're talking uh, about Prince of Darkness. Today. Prince of Darkness. John Carpenter. John Carpenter. Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness. Thank we have you. a lot to talk about. We're going to be jumping all over the place. Oh boy! But I want to get into now first you how start this with. came. Uh, how this came about. How oh, we decided episode? to check out a John Carpenter movie of oh, all things. Yeah. So we've done a couple. He's, I don't know. He's he might be my favorite filmmaker, which is. The, uh, the years go by, and it's just like, I just want John Carpenter movies. I think, yeah, I think it's one of those where if you were like, you get one filmmaker's filmography, Desert Island style. Yeah. I think I'd have to go John Carpenter. There's so much to choose from, and I love it all. And so we've done Escape from New York. We've done yep. Halloween 3. We obviously intend to do literally all of them. Many more. Over the length many, of this. Many, many more, yeah. Um, he's comes up constantly in every other movie that he's not even in because he has that much influence over the kind of movies that we love yeah absolutely and so uh, a couple weeks ago we were talking about what we should record next and you say i've been in the mood for some carpenter oh, every yeah. every 10 to 15 episodes feels good to pepper one in but well i'm always just in the mood to watch a john carpenter movie yep. Yep. they're just always so cool yeah 
either they're scary or they're action packed or they're like kind of mind blowing a little bit in their sci fi <laughs> yeah. like craziness. But like it's always just a fun time. It's always my favorite score to listen to. There's never it always has at least five of my favorite actors. Yeah, there's never a Carpenter <laughs> that it the movie ends and you go like, well, that was disappointing. Like everything delivers. I him. I love Carpenter. I even love so. the the Carpenter that people don't love as much. And uh, so you had a you you were like, I want to go big. I want to do the fog. You know, I wanted, you know, you want... Yeah, we've got so many to choose from. Uh, we thought about doing Christine, because uh, that's one that we love. Love that one. And, uh, but then we kept expanding on the idea and said, what if we... This ex- eventually expanded into me tearing up 30-some <laughs> pieces of paper with different John Carpenter-related projects. This is what you guys need to know about Eric. He doesn't half-ass <laughs> anything. So when I was like, you know what? Why don't we just kind of like choose any John Carpenter movie to watch? Yeah, let's just and pick like, one. It'll be fun. Like I don't care which one it is. Like let's whatever it is. I'm open to any of them. Once you said that, yeah, I'm, I'd I'd see then, any John Carpenter then, movie. Then you were like, all right, let's vote on it. Yeah, or, you know, I always want to turn it into this like round robin tournament, <laughs> and uh... <laughs> that's how you do it. It's a, it was a, so it became a battle royale of uh names yeah, well, in a hat. Our idea this one was it's we left it totally up to chance, but so we put in all of the movies he directed, several of the movies that he wrote, mm-hmm. things like Black Moon Rising and you know that he wrote or uh we even put in uh movies that he was even casually involved in like <laughs> Yeah, you you were pretty casual about I wanted the, to get a well, good like you know, the Halloween sequels were in there because he's a producer and, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. or uh, you know, contributed to Alan Howarth's score, that kind of thing. Getting some deep cuts because <laughs> you know a traditional battle royal's got like 30, 30 guys in there. Was, you know, sure. So you gotta get thirty picks in. So we we decided the funnest way would just be to randomly draw all of them in the final survivor. He's last the, man, last standing. man standing. He's the winner of the battle royal. The twist was that everybody got an extra pick. The one you wanted most got a second man in there. Right. Everyone got to put their own without personal without pick telling in. everybody else what it was. Yeah, yeah. So we had like thirty five Carpenter movies. Some of them doubled up, maybe tripled up, and then you don't know. And I was casually rooting for without voting for uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, <laughs> yeah. just because I the more I. More th- I started picking the names, the more funny I thought it'd be. Like, man, that would force us to do a memoirs of the Invisible Man episode. Well, that would be fun. Yeah, I would love to have an excuse to do an off the. I mean, we kind of do some yeah. off the wall coming movies. up next, a John Carpenter episode. Yeah. Well, and uh, you know, it's one of those where it's exciting to know that maybe we get to watch Body Bags, maybe we yeah. get to watch Invisible Man, maybe we. Uh, you even put Starman in there. Starman, you know. And I'll so. tell you. I'll tell you, man. <laughs> Star, the one, that was maybe the one we were all collectively. Nobody going wanted like. to say it because nobody wanted to shit on Starman. Here's the thing: I'm a big fan of Starman. I like Starman. I a think lot. it is genuinely touching and sweet, and it is a great performances. Yeah, uh, some some maybe some of the best Carpenter performances. It's really beautiful, yeah. and it got genuine Academy Award notice. You know this this was like a Carpenter crossover. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful movie. I was in the mood to watch literally any other movie <laughs> but yeah. Starman. Yeah. 
Well, we watched We've, it. We watched it about a year ago, maybe on the big screen. With yeah, Colt it played at Colt, so, so we got to see it in the screen. That was maybe the one I've seen. Yeah, more recently than than a lot of the other ones. So, and it's 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 powerful. You know, it's a touching movie, and seeing it on that big theater twelve screen was really exciting. And every other Carpenter movie, I was like, I yeah, I can see that again. <laughs> I, I can rotate some of his through pretty quickly. Get back in the mood to see him. Yeah, I'm still pretty full with Starman. I'm, I'm <laughs> exactly. still digesting That's Starman. What I, yeah. And so we're drawing all these names out, and <laughs> the tension is building. My the pick that I put in gets drawn like the second pick, <laughs> and it's one of those like, well, at least they know I'm not rigging the the voting. And halfway through, I had not thought of single thought of Starman. Until I had drawn like 15 names. And suddenly the thought sprang into my mind. I don't want to watch Starman. Oh man, for two Starman hours. is still Starman's in the box. Starman's alive. Yeah. Starman ended up making it to the second to last <laughs> movie. And I could tell, I could feel the room. People were not really wanting Starman. And so it was all like, okay, so we know one of these is Starman. And the other one of these, yeah, like, whew, I don't know what we would have done. I wouldn't have wanted to ruin the sanctity of the process. But That's the risk you take, man. It is. We put them all in you there know? for a reason. Sometimes you're going to hit that snake eyes. And this was one of the ones you brought up, one of the first four that you mentioned wanting to see. Yeah. And so I had a feeling this could have been one of your potential picks. It was one of my picks, for sure. I'll, and, I'll spill the beans. It was one of my picks. Yeah. And, it was uh, my pick. And I'm pretty sure, since I was the one drawing the names, it was two other people's picks, too. Everybody, yeah. It seemed like the majority wanted to watch Prince of Darkness out of all these 30 movies. Yeah. They had privately chosen this one. You know why, right? Because Prince of Darkness rules. <laughs> it is. It's so good. Such a great movie. This was actually one of the last Carpenter movies to hit my to hit my eyeballs growing up. Actually, Last, you know what's funny? You mean like uh, you saw others most recent. before it? Yeah, or? most recent. I was thinking back to when I was growing up and mm -hmm. like, when did I actually see The Thing? When did I actually sure. see Halloween for the first time? Probably the first two Carpenter movies I ever saw were In the Mouth of Madness and Village of the Damned in the 90s. <laughs> so that's that's definitely like uh, an age thing then. Yeah. Because those were 95, 94, 95. Right. That's so. when I was finally able to uh, see movies. So I wanted to watch those, I guess, or they were just on. But yeah, going back like yeah, it could Village of the Dam was in the box. That could have been it. Oh yeah, that, so was, I would yeah. have happily watched. I it. would have loved. Those are both. I think those are both fun. Great mouth madness is great. Anyways, oh, sure. So my whole thing was, you know, I I discover you know Big Trouble in Little China and Escape from New York <laughs> and eventually Halloween and and the thing and the fog was actually a pretty recent you know overall. But Prince of Darkness I only saw for the first time maybe two years ago and was wow. like, it was. I didn't really understand it at all when I first saw it, <laughs> uh, but I knew that I loved it and that it it read like a best of John Carpenter. I can tell you the first two Carpenter movies that I saw. I can't wait to hear. I had a really, uh, you could tell why I was sucked into this man's world. Uh, first one I saw was Memoirs of an Invisible Man. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The one that he's, no, the one that's most synonymous with his style. I mean, when you get John Carpenter and Chevy Chase yeah. together- yeah, movie no. magic people. It's really strong, and <laughs> you could just tell with that one that it was really like a passion project. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> like it was, and so that's well, just. We kinda... know Carpenter loves those old Universal monsters, so yeah, you know, Invisible actually, Man's the way to go. I actually enjoyed Memoirs of Invisible Man, but that one came out when I was eleven years old. 
and right, was right. and out of all the John Carpenter movies, that was the one the that my father was most likely to rent. Exactly. That, that's maybe one of those very accessible mainstream. Yeah. I mean, I remember actually my parents on a date like went and saw that movie and came back and talked. Yeah, about it. that was an yeah. adult movie for sure. <laughs> um, and that, and then Escape from L.A. because that came out a oh, couple yeah, years yeah, later, yeah. and that's another movie that a dad would want to to rent. I hadn't even heard of Escape from New York at that point. I was fourteen. And so that's when my dad's like, "Oh yeah, you've never heard of you ever heard of this?" Like, he, you know, he knew of that one. He doesn't. He's not going to watch Halloween. That's not his style. But right. Escape from New York. That's that's not a scary. Movie. Yeah, Kurt yeah. Russell's cool. action. Yeah. So those are my first two. I came to all the horror stuff. Nice. Probably yeah. not until my twenties. Yeah, but I mean, for whatever reason, Prince of Darkness was the one I just never caught up yeah. to. I, I don't know what it was, and you know, it's like. I think that's the one that never got like memed, you know, to, for lack of a better word, in the current culture. Like, they live is very much like sure mondo posters, and you know, big in, trouble. In the big trouble is also big trouble. Escape from New York. I feel like you always see the thing. Halloween, you know, obviously, getting remakes. Halloween's still a series. Yeah, yeah it's really a distant spot on the Carpenter cult canon. Yeah, you but know? for whatever reason, yeah, that one just never. I I never see the love for that one. Just, I mean, well, you internet, think about you all these the other movies that have like Michael Myers, Snake Plissken, you know, Kurt Russell in the thing. Yeah, like, oh man, that's what I mean. Ro- like Roddy Piper and They Live. Right. Prince of Darkness has Jameson Parker in a blonde mustache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is an aggressively flesh-colored mustache well, it, that is just right. up close the whole time. They Live's got the iconic like obey sign. Prince of Darkness has got. Like, it's Alice ju- Cooper as a bum. <laughs> yeah, Alice Cooper is probably the the lasting visual or the melted face. The melted. They can't face. really. They can't really push that in uh, all the trailers. Or or just like the green ooze. You yeah, know, like it's it's basically John Carpenter's Secret of the Ooze. Yeah, John yeah. Carpenter's <laughs> Ghostbusters too. Yeah, you know. But yeah, so seriously, the so the hero of all these other iconic John Moore, not the hero, Michael Myers, noted favorite, uh, you know, the main male central hey, character no in saint. these movies. <laughs> Jameson Parker is wearing like teal aquamarine polo shirts yeah. and has that aggressive large mustache. He's a physics major at a university with a mustache that uh, only, uh, only a 45-year-old dad should be wearing. Like, He's, a young man like him should not have that much. Jameson Parker's got this weird... So he, to all of you fans out there who are big Simon and Simon heads, he was not Rick Simon. <laughs> Rick Simon was Gerald McRaney, the kind of bald brother with, with the mustache. Okay. And uh, Jameson Parker was the more straight man brother. I don't know how familiar you are with Simon and Simon, but ironically, very successful. ironically, no mustache in Simon and Simon. No, this movie this defined is, by the mustache. I wonder if there was a contract where, like, no, Gerald McRaney is Rick Simon. Rick Simon wears the cowboy hat and has a cool mustache. We can't have two mustache brothers, and so this is Jameson Parker in the middle of Simon and Simon's run. He's like, first project I get away <laughs> exactly. from Gerald McRaney. I am growing the biggest mustache I can. Yeah, his agent is like, so we got a couple movie offers. He goes, which one will let me grow a mustache? Yeah, he is so... Uh, John Carpenter. All right, we'll do it. The Jameson Parker mustache, the first second it appears on the screen, really comes off like uh, Ricky's cowboy hat in in, <laughs> Sleepaway, <laughs> in Camp. Sleepaway Camp. Yeah. Walking into the rec center for the first time, like, Ricky's trying something new out this year <laughs> at camp. 
this really felt like Jameson Parker just like, yeah, old Jamesy's trying on a new look. Absolutely. He had really strong mom's new boyfriend vibes just pouring out of him. He was one of those guys like super in shape, but also small. Right. I don't know, man. Somehow, Jamesy. somehow like, yeah, super in shape, but also like white khaki pants. Yeah. And he's like, like a burgundy. He's shirt. one of those surprising so buff guys, a like buff nerd. like Ben Stiller. Yeah, and you're like, oh, geez, Ben Stiller's jacked. I did not know Ben Stiller was jacked. Fair enough. Ben yeah. Stiller, t- look well, at, heavy, yeah, heavyweight era Ben Stiller. Then dodgeball. <laughs> all this Ben Stiller has Ben Stiller's been jacked in movies, but he's only like 165 pounds. Yeah, yeah. So it's weird when you notice, like, dude, look at the guns on Greenberg. <laughs> <laughs> and Jameson Parker's got that vibe too, where he's like buff but weird tiny wimp yeah yeah it's so odd and i don't know he's He's a man of science he's a man of science this is a this is a strange movie because it's got science it's got religion it's got lovecraft horror yeah it's got i mean this the now the third time that i watched this after we we watched it together then i watched it again this last week because again i just i'm trying to understand what's going on in this movie and it's it's not easy but i think i've got it down well i think the only sticking point is that it's weird that the Prince of Darkness, uh, Beelzebub Satan, is represented as like Mountain Dew. It's liquid. Yeah, <laughs> he's the ooze. <laughs> he's the secret of the ooze. But like, like nothing it, they say in this movie like makes any sense, and I think that's on purpose. It's supposed to not really make. It's sense. kind of felt like a knock. It. I think it, at that point, people were really surprised. It felt like a less serious Poltergeist. And then took the violence and gore to levels that Poltergeist couldn't. I could see that, yeah. Because Poltergeist was regarded, you know, very highly, critically. That was an impressive mainstream movie. And this kind of mocked the things that, and the sentimentality that uh, <laughs> that Poltergeist had and really went harder on the scientists. Yeah. Instead, we, we got like a dozen different nerd scientists, and they were all nerdy and cool in a different lot of ways. kids, yeah. Oh, and the the setting is so good. It's got like, it it got. Uh, you mentioned this earlier. It played like kind of a greatest hits of some of this Carpenter stuff. Uh, had the perfect Carpenter score. They're all so good. One of a one of the great this Carpenter got, scores. This guy's got for fifteen sure. great scores. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But this one definitely is. It's in high the top there for sure. And this is a movie. Yeah, like you said, kind of flew under my radar. I had seen it years ago and liked it, but there was still you know, eight Carpenter movies I would have put ahead of it. Right. And then when it played at Colt Night, I forget the double feature, but it was, I think it was The Thing in Prince of Darkness or a different, you know, it was two Carpenters. And this was the second one. And we were out in the lobby and uh, Staples was out there. And so we were hanging and uh, he said, oh yeah, this is my favorite movie. And I said, oh wow, this is your favorite Carpenter movie? And he goes, no, this is my favorite movie. Oh, all time. And I'm like, I, Never met anybody championing Prince of Darkness this hard. And this was up in Theater 12, the biggest screen in the county. And I left there like, oh, yeah, Prince of Darkness. I I don't know if I'd say my favorite movie, but it is in the discussion for best Carpenter movie. Absolutely. And and for me, that's huge. I think it's in the discussion for best Carpenter movie. I think it should be in the discussion for scariest Carpenter movie. Yes. I think this movie is scary. It is. This movie, I, I grew up a Catholic boy, so devils and demons get to me a little bit. But this is this is a really this movie is terrifying. This is a really scary version of Night of the Demons. Sure, 
Night of the Demons, I think, is a great scary horror movie. We'll we'll do a Night of the Demons episode sometime in the future. But it had that same like the possessions getting across one by one. And like you said, Carpenter's greatest hits, it's just like the thing where these people are getting taken over yeah. one by one, no matter what precautions they take, you know? And it's except that, in this one, you knew who the people were. It's that. It's also these people trapped in a building like Assault on Precinct 13. There were, there's a, you know which one I'm talking about. There was a strong, oh yeah, he's he's referencing Assault on Precinct 13 yeah. shot. Uh, and also uh, Satan's vagrant homeless army is featured throughout this. Just a bunch of wild ideas. A lot of this movie felt like a grimy uh, straight to video era horror movie or even a shot sure. on video movie. There's even cool ass shot on video footage in the movie. That's the scariest part of the movie. Isn't that great? Uh, this That's movie, like the greatest yeah. shot on video movie ever made is the movie within Prince of Darkness. Yeah, the, the exactly. The first time I watched it, I'm so into just seeing Donald Pleasance be him. Yeah. And yeah, the fact the that- The characters are all fun. You're getting all these great characters. You're getting this cool vibe with the soundtrack. You're noticing all these things that you see in other Carpenter movies. Yeah. But then you watch it again and you really get some of the substance of what he's going after. And um, yeah, it's very, it's it's almost like the last time watching it, I, I was like, this is John Carpenter's it. Oh, yeah. This is the, the elder god, the Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. He's going big with this one. It felt like a super ambitious Stuart Gordon yeah. kind of movie. Oh, absolutely. More than it felt like a Carpenter movie. Oh, definitely. The Carpenter touches Even the were green, great. like, reanimator <laughs> yeah. look, right? It really had that strong Stuart Gordon vibe. And I mean that in, in the best way. Sure. The cast is super strong, even though I don't know most of these people. Our boy Peter Jason is a standout. Peter Jason is, this is one of his best, you know, under 10 minute characters. Yeah, Peter Jason does the best <laughs> thing that uh, I now do to annoy my wife. <laughs> yeah. The, the mouth trumpet. <laughs> this is some. Should we, should we try to. No. We didn't talk no, no, about, no. should we try to do some mouth trumpet on the podcast? We here? didn't talk about that. I, some, some Peter you put Jason. Me on the spot. I don't think we should have this. All right, all right. This is my, my grandpa, my, my beloved grandpa, grandfather used to mouth trumpet. <laughs> around the garage and the house. Oh, I love it. A lot. Just playing those old, like, off-key Glenn Miller tunes uh, through the mouth trumpet. And Peter Jason fills all dead time that he's in a scene with just jazz mouth trumpet. Yeah. And I love this one shot. We get some great Peter Jason stuff because he's doing fun Peter Jason things, like grabbing (laughs) a bunch of snacks. Yeah. I love it. Grabbing a whole thing of Oreos, but then like doing a cool apple toss up into a big apple bite. (laughs) Just like, oh man, cool. Cool guy getting snacks. A lot of people casually eating apples in this. There was a lot of great movie (laughs) eating. I'm really, I'm I'm really fond of a bunch of like research students of various ages kind of settling into their new satanic church environment, but like still getting a sleeve of Oreos. (laughs) I love that kind of thing. And so, it's just what I kept dying the longer it went on because two people are talking in the foreground in this room and you can hear like jaws. You can hear this approaching mouth trumpet <laughs> echoing Come down on. the hallway <laughs> in the background, like walking upstairs while like, here it goes. Just like, oh, we're doing it. Yeah. It, it, I, it, it, <laughs> I broke the mouth trumpet seal and you can just hear it softly in the background. And it just keeps getting louder. <laughs> I'm 
just have the idea like did they just have him doing that on set at all times or were they like all right cue i don't think trumpeting. anyone had him doing anything i think peter jason's just walking around going you know what i'm gonna do yeah i'll tell mouth you what trumpet. touch i'm bringing to this character <laughs> he is a, a carpenter legend He's in uh, he's in several of the big ones, but this is his most, <laughs> most well, also, memorable. Yeah, for you me. also get a uh, not only Donald Pleasance and him returning, uh, Dennis Dunn, who is one of the main guys in Big Trouble in Little China. Sure, who plays Walter in this one? Yeah, 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 and uh, and your boy, uh, <laughs> Victor Wong. Victor Wong, a, yeah, another Carpenter another, classic, yeah. and that era classic like Gremlins and uh, Tremors. Yeah, Big Trouble. A lot of Victor Wong. One of those Wong. guys that, they, yeah, they don't make him like Victor Wong anymore. No, that guy is made to be a weird character actor. And even uh, we got our Dirk Blocker. We've already brought up Poltergeist. Oh, yeah. We got to say Dirk Blocker, who I think briefly shows up in Starman as maybe the other Carpenter movie. I know <laughs> He's a cop in Starman. Dirk Blocker is a double. He is a cop in Starman. Yeah. He, yeah. he has such the biggest potato head. Oh. The guy's got such a big dome on him. And he's got somehow he's got like a bald mullet in this movie. <laughs> his his hair is classic. He is that life. he's like you're a physics student. <laughs> he looks like I don't know if you ever seen the cartoon Steven Universe. Tom from uh, uh, Sharpling and and Wooster. Oh sure sure. He does the voice of Steven Universe's dad, and it's like oh it's Dirk Blocker and Prince of Darkness. He's got like total skullet with the pon- like a ponytail, Perfect. and then just a belly. Dirk Blocker is. A noted great movie snacker. <laughs> Pretty infamous poltergeist snack scene. So Dirk Blocker was in... That's quite the connection right yeah. there. Yeah. His scene in Poltergeist when he's running into the room with like six beer cans <laughs> that are all that all have a pinhole leak in them. It's like a stupid silent era comedy bit. Yeah. Running into the game with just beers shooting off everywhere. And here he is totally... Yeah, I, that's what I like about the age range of this group is they're all grad students. Some of them are in their 30s. Some have been doing this for longer, you know. Some of them are younger. And that's how you get a dude like Dirk Blocker yeah. on your research team. He's the fun guy. He's the fun guy. There's always one. In a movie like that, in Leviathan, you know, there's always going to be like... Uh, that guy. There's always going to be a Daniel Stern. Right, right. <laughs> I know. It's almost like... I'm, I'm trying to remember if they ever had Dirk Blocker in a Hawaiian shirt in this movie because he should have been. Oh, if he wasn't. See, it's one of those. He things. He was more in like jerseys. He was wearing like like a like a yeah softball like a three quarter sleeve yeah, uh, yeah, jersey kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, I think my brain when I just picture Dirk Blocker, I'm picturing just an automatic Hawaiian shirt because he's <laughs> he's just got the per- perfect head and body yeah. and dumb face yeah. to pull off Hawaiian shirt. You just think I, I I think he has a lot of them. I can't honestly because of Brooklyn Nine Nine. I can't think of him without just like spaghetti all over his face. <laughs> like there's a gag they do where they're like they turn their back on him for one second while he's holding like two <laughs> jars of spaghetti, and then they they turn back and he's just covered in it. And I just I love that too funny. So his father too good. Who we weirdly brought up uh, recently yeah. too. We talked about Dan Blocker, who was famously Haas, Haas on Bonanza, Bonanza, one of the most venerable. Uh, movie or TV characters on one of the longest running American shows in history. And that's such an iconic character. And here's Dirk Blocker, his similarly giant headed <laughs> son, who's now had like a 40 plus year career. Yeah. Doing that same. Like, so Dan Blocker is such a legend for his Western roles. Look at the career Dirk Blocker has somehow had from, uh, you know, Black Sheep Squadron was a pretty, you know, cult popular show. 40 
five years ago oh, in man. the 70s. And he just keeps showing up and stuff. I keep finding him more and more. And now Scully's one of the, man, one of the best characters on one of the best shows. What yeah. a cool career for yeah, a guy. Scully who's... and Hitchcock, man, those guys. <laughs> yeah. Dirk, we salute you. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this movie is, uh, it's one of those where, again, it, the the plot seems very simple, but it's just crazy though. Yeah. So you get all these great characters, and you're watching it the first time, and I'm loving it. And then I watch that now the third time I'm watching, I'm like, they're saying that this is a a, a 15th century church in mm-hmm. Los Angeles yep. that the Spanish came and built, that they're housing the devil. Yeah. In liquid form somehow. Yeah. He is. He is just like Baja Blast. And even the Vatican doesn't know about it. The secret sect of priests is so secret yeah. like, like that's some indiana jones shit right it is there. yeah we're dipping into all sorts of genre flicks and i'm just like that all this stuff is just like tingles of my my nerd sense is tingling <laughs> right and then and then they start talking about the capsule holding the devil in is seven million years old yeah like before there's people there's a lot of deep <laughs> and then history in this movie and then they're like translating this book and they just quickly toss aside like yeah jesus christ extraterrestrial but a human form yeah guys guys hold on hold on i'm sorry what? they turn this this whole movie turns a battle between the holy and the devil into oh also the, the lord our savior jesus christ and the devil are alien they're beings and they're like ancient like it like aliens uh-huh. that have been around since seven millennia ago yeah and yeah jesus came to earth and tried to warn us about this guy yeah and uh it's a and maybe the it's implications just, are staggering i i've had such a love affair with the it series these last few years because i you know i loved the remakes the first one the miniseries has such a soft spot the book is like Oh, my heart. Yeah. I love that move that book so much. And this movie, yeah, it has such that similar like it's so much more interesting to think of God and the devil as these ancient universe beings who are still affect you know, it's a cool thought when presented in this horror sci fi atmosphere. Yeah. That they're changing these small things and manipulating your universe all the time. And the devils just happen to be housed in this uh, this is his house. And you're now living in it and discovering it. And he's like, oh, now's my chance to cross over. Yeah, exactly. And so suddenly we're going to just have a bunch of physics students come in and take measurements of the thing while it's happening. Yeah. I wasn't really sure what the whole project (laughs) goal was. Well, we don't get to even really find out about it because (laughs) the devil, the prince of darkness, really stirs up the shit right away. He uh, apparently he can get out of that capsule whenever he wants to awaken as the as the uh, the sleeper awakens kind of. This movie had a... comes in it, but, but it's just like John Carpenter basically was like, "Here's every cool thing I like about every kind of genre of horror movie that I like. I'm just gonna put this all in one <laughs> giant Prince of Darkness <laughs> and, movie. Your biblical horror, your alien horror, your like, yeah, everything he could come up with. How, how much do you think that John Carpenter was modeling Jameson Parker after himself? <laughs> Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. Was he like, yeah, yeah, yeah? I'm the Jameson Parker guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm this Simon brother with a mustache. He looks a lot like what you, yeah. What it was what Carpenter. Would it was like, like a it was like a in shape cool guy John Carpenter look. I love how someone like Brian De Palma will get like Dennis Franz to be the clear <laughs> Brian De Palma guy. Right, right. You know, it's the actors like uh, Amy Sedaris. She always gets off on 
being made uglier. <laughs> like, give me the ugly fatted pat suit and like and the and the bad teeth. Like or yeah, let me can I keep this makeup bruise on my eye for a while? I want I want to go to the store afterwards and like, yeah. And uh, so Brian De Palma's like, "Yeah, Dennis Franz should play me." Nobody's picking nobody wants Dennis Franz to be the the movie version of you. It's a tough draw. <laughs> And uh, so, but yeah, Carpenter's you get one like, of the Simons. yeah, so Carpenter found, so Jameson Parker wanted to find the role that would allow him to have a mustache. And John Carpenter was like, I need to, oh, find, I the role. I need to find the actor who will wear a big, droopy, bushy mustache. <laughs> Zapata. But in a, <laughs> but you know, in a normal movie. Yeah. Uh, they're a match made in heaven, obviously. Then a bunch of bugs come into play. Oh, the bu- bugs. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like, Carpenter's yeah. like, I've always wanted to do, like, just bugs on things. Yeah. And so I'm just going to make, yeah, I'm just going to make this a thing where there's hills of ants. The final two-third run of this movie is this glorious celebration of all of the fun things you can do in movies. Yeah. And all of the fun special effects that you can <laughs> apply to people's bodies. Absolutely. This has so many different cool, should-be iconic practical effects. Uh, Wyndham, the one kind of like also balding mullet. Yeah, cool yeah. guy, oh, physicist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the, sk- one, the skinny Dirk Blocker. That guy's like, he's like, if Dirk Blocker was a little more Jerry Seinfeld. Totally. <laughs> he was Wyndham. If, if, if Dirk Blocker had like the Miami Vice sport coat that you, yeah. you scrunched up He had up the, the pushed up crew neck sleeves yeah. and the... Uh, but his bug death was horrifying, oh. and then just the coolest special effects, his collapsing suit filled just with bugs. Perfectly done. Oh. Yeah. This is like a guy who loves practical effects in movies, having fun with practical effects. We got a lot of projectile spitting into people's mouths. Yeah, the projectile. A lot of that. Uh, the projectile liquid. Yeah, the. Uh... A lot of people just taking it to the teeth. In this, uh, right from the the devil himself, that big old t- tub of uh, well, it's like you're you're able to do the possession horror. So these people are yeah. possessed by the devil, but they're also basically zombies. Mm-hmm. And so you get to have that great scene where they're trying to get to uh, Walter in the uh, in oh, the closet, yeah, yeah. and he's just trying to break his way through the God, wall. I love how much time them. they spent on on showing how hard it was going to be to break through this. Yeah, and the movie is really good at. Uh, all of these possessions are so scary because it kind of has that same horror feel that Hereditary had for me, mm. where the movie establishes that they'll kind of cross some the line with some sick or gory stuff pretty early. And so then I had this fear of what I was about to see. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's going to be really gross, or it's going to be, you know, the same way Midsummer had that kind of tension. Well, and throughout. the way the thing does mm-hmm. throughout every scene, you're like, God, what are we going to get These now? Are, this is insane. Yeah. I'm seeing weird things that I don't expect. And Prince of Darkness kind of starts ramping up with that. You're seeing, you know, gruesome neck breaks, and then you're building up to more gory, like, burns and lesions. And right. you're getting up to, like, throat stabbings. And it's like, oh, they're just coming up with dozens of weird gross special effects gags and they keep getting grosser i keep just like oh i hope the next one's not grosser than that (laughs) oh that woman's face is melting the extended degradation of that woman yeah the makeup throughout her transformation is so just wet and 
gooey and ugh, it just made my skin crawl every time I see it. Yeah, eventually the liquid devil escapes and jumps into this woman. Yeah. At, like a cartoon almost. And yeah, she almost becomes like pregnant with the ooze and then it just decomposes her. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the so whole... So sick. Uh, the whole thing. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. And but, there's all these zombie homeless people outside so they can't leave. Like, this movie is actually... The pacing of this movie is like so brilliantly just mm-hmm. it just moves at such a great pace, even when it's all this like scientific jargon. Yeah, the tension that John Carpenter is able to draw out of all of these moments. Oh, sure, and to have this stuff in the back of your head. And I want to talk about the 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 dreams too because that we were well the dream about, that's the that's the scary shot on video. We were horror, talking about the uh, shot on video thing. There's this running kind of returning or, or uh, you know recurring recurring yeah. motif of of these people having dreams and the dreams this is the i think this is the scariest aspect <laughs> of this movie are supposed to be like neurally transmitted messages from the future yeah that are transmitted into your brain broadcast as a dream and it's uh showing you the prince of darkness or and that had the they live kind of feel yeah, to it uh, for me. You know, these neurotransmitters broadcasting these visions from another place. And it's like you're seeing this found footage shot of yeah. the front of the church and this figure all in black coming out of the church. Mm-hmm. And the voice, the, the just the voice that's narrating just going, this is not a dream. This is not a dream. <laughs> yeah. This is being transmitted to you. You must prevent these events from happening. It is the year 1990. <laughs> Yeah, you know, cuts off, and you're just like 1990. What? Yeah, 1990. What? <laughs> Will we what keep? Year? It's this it's great terrifying. shot on video footage that looks like the coolest of the satanic shot on video stuff we've yeah. seen, like Cards of Death. You know, that was like, oh shit, this it's just is like crazy. really unnerving. Like, it's this, gr- yeah, this gritty, staticky, you know, handheld camera from 1987 shot on video vibe with this. It's that kind of uh, backwoods Satanism that's way more scary because those are the people that believe those, uh, yeah, you know, right. Slayer records. <laughs> and yeah, the uh, and every person that dreams is having the same dream, and so we keep getting like two seconds more footage before each person wakes up to somebody spitting in their mouth a bunch, right? Right, <laughs> and getting exactly. repossessed. But yeah, so we keep getting more and more tastes of this shot on video footage, and oh man, it is good. It is just terrible, and. Then you think about like the implications of like so the people in the future, is it us in the future doing this? Is it extraterrestrial Jesus has returned to fight <laughs> yeah. the demon and he's broadcasting? Yeah, like it's just so out. Of, everything is just so, so far out in left field. Yeah, there's that a, like anything could happen. There's so much to take in in this movie, and it really brings a lot of uh, solid repeat enjoyment. Yeah. I think that's why you and I have loved this movie more every time we've seen it there was a reason i think that uh i say it was the unanimous choice so it got picked it got picked by by luck yeah we all had our but uh, i know one of the people there hadn't seen it and been dying to and everybody else was like oh yeah this is great i've been dying to see this one again and then when we were done it's like so what would be the best carpenter movie and it's like yeah you cannot factor this one out yeah it's it's you would have to have a discussion before putting any Carpenter movie above this one. It is such a blend and such an intense, long, drawn-out finish. The stuff that, man, I don't even understand is stuff that scares me. I don't know why all these homeless people are 
are possessed by the devil. I don't right. know why they're how the it's, pawns. How it's able to affect them all like that. I understand the socioeconomic uh, <laughs> messages taught to me in They Live, but this one's just like, I don't know, the devil and homeless people? All right, you know. I'm sure it's really obvious and I'm dumb, but the visuals involved with just getting a hundred different homeless people surrounding, being surrounded is terrifying. Yeah. That's the most terrifying thing. That one, uh, the one scientist's death when he gets lured down into a drainage alley behind the church. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then realizes he's boxed in at the top by about a dozen homeless people. Possessed homeless people. Yeah. yeah. Creepy. Oh, man. Yeah. Weird Alice Cooper uh, casting. That's a funny, like, gimmick it, it, casting that. I imagine Alice Cooper's like, look, I want to be in a major motion picture. I don't want to talk. I can't remember lines. I don't want any dialogue. I don't want to have to do that shit. I just want to show up and be put in a cool, you know, maybe a hobo or something, maybe a costume. He, he does. Like, oh, we got it for you. We got the one for you. <laughs> he does have a horror history. I know there's some other yeah, lesser. Yeah, fucking cr- yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> He's been horror adjacent before. <laughs> hey man, school's out. Yeah, it's not really as shocking. uh, (laughs) It's not really as shocking a casting as like Roddy Piper and They Live. You know, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Roddy Piper and They Live was like a wow main guy. Okay, all right, Uh, and then it worked obviously. But Alice, this is definitely a gimmick casting, but it's really fun and it is hilarious how he did become the face of this movie. Every the first visual you see whenever you look up this movie, it's just him just with his like. Scowling, yeah. His downward turned mouth and his sunken eyes, just scowling. Just like, what, what is this movie about? <laughs> I'm sure we we watched. The, I forget if we watched the trailer this time, but I know we have before. What does the studio do when you get presented this movie? Because hmm. it's tough in a trailer to be like, these people go into this place. Then the next hour, it's nothing but crazy shit happening. <laughs> like, that's tough to not just like. Unless you're just, well, here's all of the stuff that happens. Yeah, I, I actually. Don't remember the trailer or, or, yeah, how do you market? It's probably why this movie didn't really hit too hard. Is it, yeah, how do you market the Antichrist science movie? Yeah. Because it's got both, right? It's like, but what if, what if, you know, we took the devil and like made him like a physics problem? Yeah. This like was mathematics. A, this was Let's a big mathematics hit involved. on a different level because this movie was, it was cheap. It was $3 million, which is incredible. When you look at what was accomplished, it's probably easier with a literal, like, what, two-set shoot. Mm-hmm. You're at one location for 85% of this movie, if not more. But, I mean, the candle budget alone on this movie. There were so many. Thousands, there was more candles in this of candles. than in any, like, medieval <laughs> Shakespeare drama I've ever seen. They just lit candles in this building for <laughs> every every hallway. This was the This building is 500 years old. Those candles were burning a long it time. It is a fire hazard every turn. Jeez. Yeah. All, lining literally every stairwell and hallway. It's like, gee, where did they get all these <laughs> candle stands and candles? Who's maintaining all of budget. these lit candles? Yeah. Which one of these physics students is being the candle guy? Oh, this is this. Is, I've never seen more candles in a movie. <laughs> there weren't this many candlesticks in Barry Lyndon. This is so many candles. <laughs> See, Barry Lyndon was filmed with all natural light. So See, that's the, the, <laughs> the joke here, guys, is that. <laughs> <laughs> but so the movie made, you know, double digits, 15 million or so. Oh, thank God. So successful, <laughs> but more like 
you know, oh, this cheap-ass slasher movie pulled $8 million. You know, one of those kind of things. It wasn't, it didn't have the same legacy as these other movies. It wasn't... It surprises me because, yeah. I mean, that, like I was saying earlier, it's like I feel like a lot of Carpenter movies are still kind of in the zeitgeist a little bit. Even I feel like there's a lot of love for, like, Mouth of Madness. and That one... Well, see, I think In the Mouth of Madness is the one that's currently been... You know, if you look at all of these on a years-long timeline and with all charting their popularity, right. In the Mouth of Madness and Prince of Darkness, I think, are kind of steady growers. Like, I think their following's just taking longer. Because now amongst horror circles, nobody talks but bad feel, about In the Mouth of Madness. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like what's happening now is you get a lot of younger horror fans who are like, man, I've just discovered blank. <laughs> yeah. And it's usually something like In the Mouth of Madness or The Fog or the thing yeah um but yeah a new generation one, in there but yeah this one i think is ripe for that I, I i would like to see this one kind of get the love it deserves well you know and also there's the internet thing of these other movies have been referenced way more everybody yeah. knows about these movies and there's always you know the rush to be the one championing this other one well i've always said this is the best one totally and you know it's true all the other carpenter movies we talked about have been talked about Way more than this one. So it's just more like, well, now it's Prince of Darkness's turn. And honestly, in another 10 years, that's when we'll probably get way more people into vampires. I love vampires. We'll see. It's going to be way better once <laughs> James Woods is dead. <laughs> I was so... just going to say, yeah, James Woods might have ruined the chances on that. <laughs> yeah, once he's dead and nobody has to deal with smug James Woods, then it'll be like, Okay, you know what we can finally say is actually really cool? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. It's vampires. You know, and then after that, Ghosts of Mars will be the one that people uh and then eventually on the slow, you know, little engine that could, it's only a matter of time before people turn positively on memoirs of an invisible man. <laughs> that's what you're waiting for. When it's like if if the universe exists in twenty thirty eight, that's when it's like I if. just that's a yeah, big it's a big a lot of work on the another another 18 years is a big <laughs> ask but I think at that point that's when we get the like hey you guys this was a really weird story but so when John Carpenter was done and then suddenly one you know whatever exists of the internet will have an article on an actual overlooked movie yeah from that's its chance it's going to be the last one to get the chance but it'll get there and so I think right now we're going to be dealing with a lot of In the Mouth of Madness and Prince of Darkness. Well, I'm I'm willing to talk about Prince of Darkness as much as needs. I we haven't even gotten to, in my opinion, the best part. Of the movie. Oh man, uh, we haven't actually talked at all about Catherine, the redheaded girl. Yeah, who is Brian? You know, Brian is the Simon guy. He's our main guy. John <laughs> Carpenter stand in. He is uh, quickly beds and befriends Catherine. Oh my gosh, Danforth, who's a really cool, strong female yeah, character on her own right and um i think the the you know spoiler alert guys but the ending is ooh not only would i say this is probably maybe the i i think this might equate the single scariest shot in a carpenter <laughs> movie but she has the worst worst conclusion of any carpenter character like this to me what happens to Catherine oh, yeah. at the end of this movie is the scariest thing that could possibly, in any theory, happen it, to you? It's a it's a theory we've brought up several times just within our our show. Uh, it's the same theory of the sunken place. Yeah, you know, it's that same just nothing. 
It's that same one. Uh, what's the What's the amazing Scarlett Johansson one? Under the skin. Under the skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that same nothing. That same people just existing in nothing until they don't exist. Yeah. And that's what she sacrifices herself for. She's a great actress. A movie I really love uh, from the early 80s, An Officer and a Gentleman. Okay. And Richard Gere and, uh, and... I've heard of it. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen it, but... It's it's a great movie. Uh, you know, it won Oscars at the time, but it doesn't get as mentioned now, but it's a classic. You've it's got seen that it. classic, I got nowhere else to go. Yeah, line. exactly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's got the, the Simpsons parody line of... of him carrying her out of the uh, the factory, you know, which totally. is a, which is a beautiful scene. early early Simpsons. Yeah, friends. it's it's a it's a great movie, a uh, great love story, and she is like uh, Deborah Winger's best friend. The actress the is Lisa, Lisa, Lisa Blount. Lisa Blount. Blount. She's yeah. the townie uh, in the movie and is a really kind of tragic character, but it's such a strong performance in a different way. And seeing her here, really cool horror movie performance she's given the task of playing off of my boy jameson jameson parker who's named brian also in the movie we didn't talk about that he's a real brian (laughs) brian marsh they had this dude dead to rights he is such a brian marsh oh my gosh every one of his tight tucked in polo shirts with his like kind of conservative zach morris parted hair and that blonde stash, dude. Yeah. We talked at length about the most confounding mustache in movie history being the sleepaway camp deputy's mustache. The obviously grease <laughs> the paint. The grease paint mustache. mustache. Yeah. This Jameson Park, I was giggling like a schoolgirl every time this mustache <laughs> came on. I was tittering so much at this thing. It's it, the definition of like the caterpillar looking <laughs> yes. mustache. Like it's He's a dad's He's such stash. a cop. He's yeah. the guy who's like, who's like taking his second shot at the cop exam. Right. Like he's undercover as a physics student. This guy just looks like the the mom new boyfriend that ruins a nice meal out. <laughs> like the waiter brought something wrong, and old Brian makes too much of a fuss. Well, when Brian and Catherine first get together, he's pursuing her pretty hard in the first like five minutes of this movie. Finally, yeah. gets her in into a conversation. And immediately makes like the worst like sexist kind of joke possible, yeah. and she's totally she shuts shuts down. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, "Oh, what happened? Oh, I just made a terrible off color sexist joke to a woman I've never talked to before. What's the problem? Yeah. All right, all right. Hold on. Let's start over. And like, she's and a you're ri- just like God. Fuck this girl. She is <laughs> a really like she's written very uh, complex. Yeah, you never car- really find out. What ha- like had, something obviously there's you know, a there's trauma and a darkness. Yeah, in this going on woman. There. But we don't ever get bothered with the like, the tragic scene of her uh, brother falling into the gorilla pit at the zoo, and, right? Because she or, was or, negligent. Or I was, talk- I was thinking it made me think of like her talking like, yeah, my dad dressed up as Santa Claus and came down the chimney, <laughs> like gremlin style. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, like we she, never really find out what happened. She to her. has that Silent Night, Deadly Night background where it's like, what's setting her off? Yeah, like, why right. is this Christmas? Th- yeah, and. Uh, yeah, old AJ Simon, man. He's a <laughs> he's a weird constant vibe at the heart of this movie. Well, he doesn't really accomplish anything. Like he is never the guy that like makes the big discovery and at the end he's basically useless. Yeah. Uh basically the end of this movie is the blonde girl gets possessed by the liquid prince of darkness who then is going to reach into a mirror 
Yeah. Into, oh, yeah. Into the realm of darkness. If you aren't, if you aren't wondering if there's not enough horror staples in here, there's like a mirror portal. The liquid mirror portal you put your hand through. So you get all the cool, like, I'm putting my hand through a mirror kind of shots, yeah. you know? And then you get that kind of like forbidden zone or whatever. That's... Yeah. <laughs> but we you... also get Donald Pleasance hiding behind machinery for like a good 40 minutes. Pretty much the last half of the movie. Donald Pleasance is in a room the that then the possessed Prince of Darkness comes into, and he just like gets around like... A computer. Yeah. Just he's, like, oh. He's scared shit. <laughs> <laughs> just like, and he's occasionally peeking out, but it's like, every, seems like we keep doing these cutbacks to like Prince of Darkness just like creepily laughing and conversing with the mirror. And Pleasance is just like 12 feet away, just like, shit, shit, <laughs> shit. Yeah. Well, that's why I do love the fact that these people are like, this is crazy what's going on right yeah. now, right? Like everyone acknowledges it and everyone's like, genuinely scared we keep a good ratio of people not possessed people possessed but we know where they are and then people who are possessed who are just kind of free roaming the church like uh the black guy with like the pencil oh yeah uh (laughs) kind of yeah kind of ran like rammed through his throat it's like it's like the prince of darkness is possessing people and then about and then he's like possessed like maybe too too many people. Yeah. And he's like, you know, I don't really I have a job fa- for you. Yeah. The Prince so. of Darkness is really turning all these like fizz students into like his Sims house. Yeah. He's like, I haven't checked on that guy in a while. And he's just bones. He's <laughs> like, I don't know. Stab yourself? I don't know, man. Yeah. Sorry. Just pace back and forth in this hall laughing. I'm doing some other stuff over here. Yeah, I got I'm kinda <laughs> keeping this one's attention. Uh we taught you brought up brought up earlier Walter's escape from one room through a thick wall into another and that's this movie sometimes moves at such a quick pace but then we get a really long kind of played out tense 15 minute survival of them trying to break through a wall yeah to save walter before the possessed satan can break into a door and walter's also hate to say it he really shouldn't have talked so much shit to satan (laughs) during his escape he was really riling him up. Right. Well, he probably would have gotten... thought he was safe in the broom closet, he was like, yeah, giving him a little too much He lip. was poking the bear way too much. I agree. I, I agree. cannot imagine having that much in-the-moment confidence. Or maybe it's just one of those coping mechanisms where it's like, well, I don't know how to process this, so I might as well, you know. Right. It's like Richie Tozier and It just talking shit right to It's face. That's definitely, it's like, what? That's definitely Walter in this one. <laughs> what yeah. are my options here, really? So great, though. I yeah. don't know why this movie didn't hit me harder yeah. when I saw it, you know, a decade ago. It was not, I can't even remember what other movie I saw on the double feature because I just remember seeing Prince of Darkness in the theater and how great it was. Because at the time, it wasn't the movie that I was going there to more excited to see. Mm-hmm. It was the bonus. And then afterwards, it's just like, oh my God, this, is, this might be the one. Oh, it's such a vision. It's a vision. I just want to say that shot that I was talking about, the scariest shot, the scariest carpenter shot. Catherine, in a last desperate bid to stop the Prince of Darkness from pulling the king, I would assume, of darkness out of the realm of darkness into our realm, she bum rushes this possessed woman. They go diving through the liquid mirror. Pleasance throws an axe, breaks (laughs) the mirror so that she's now trapped and there's a scene where you see her floating in the darkness, hand outstretched, and the light just goes, and she's got that look of terror, and she's just like stuck now. Yeah. In this, in she's this, stuck in this nothing. Oh, 
the implications of that to me are as as terrifying as as anything you could really honestly approach with your with you your ever, logical mind. You ever heard of the movie 50s sci-fi classic uh The Incredible Shrinking Man? Oh yeah, I got that on the LD. LD. Nice. I'll have to throw in the disc of that movie. <laughs> it it's presented as this kind of pulp trashy like mm-hmm. you know oh look at He's these, fighting you know, a him and adult yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> there is such an existential horror to this movie because he keeps shrinking he right, doesn't right. die when he gets to a certain tininess he just keeps shrinking until he's this weird not even particle of the universe totally he's just an existing speck thing. it's the freakiest thing. I felt so empty and scared after the end of it. It's just this whole, and so he continues to shrink. And it's like, oh, God. And that's this. This woman's just drifting farther away yeah. from a thing that she that she is going to slowly forget that's about. Funny. They even bring up in the beginning of this movie the, the idea of logic breaking down at the subatomic level. You know, they're talking about these subatomic things. Totally. And yeah, the idea that the devil could exist on a subatomic level and literally infiltrate the cells of your body. Yeah. Like that's what the possession is doing. It's this liquid literally on a cellular level. Yeah. And that's really that's, that's the virus that we're living in that, right now. That's, that's the same the, power that, that, fear, uh, that it had over me. That's ugh, is, it is this, really this being from another universe who is affecting minor motions of a whole town without them knowing. Making them, making it so they don't see certain things, or they turn one way instead of the other. He's just controlling their outcomes, usually for his benefit, and they don't know it. They just know some of them have the sense that something's off. Yeah, and it's that same theme of just being slightly manipulated, and even small after, amounts. Even after they defeat the Prince of Darkness, Brian has a dream with the yeah. same broadcast. Yeah. In front of the church, except he sees Catherine in the doorway instead mm-hmm. of this dark figure. What a final shot. And then he, yeah, he wakes up, looks into the mirror, <laughs> and you've got that Inception ending where yep. he almost touches the mirror, but not quite. And you're like, is he Is he touching the it? mirror or is his finger, can you see any part of his finger going yeah. through? <sighs> it is arguably oh, my favorite ending so to a Carpenter good. movie. So good. If it's not the best Carpenter movie, the ending from his dream on out oh my god that is like horror to the core absolutely you know i like I could, like you don't sleep after no, that like like it is something that's burning a hole in my brain right now thinking about i'd that. have to really we should have been better prepared and worked out our carpenter top 10 i think we've done that for other directors and it feels like we should put our cards on the table Man. i'm not doing it right now off the cuff because it'd be too much real-time decision making i'd almost want to do like top 10 as far as scariest like oh rank scariest factor. not just the best even like even i don't know this one might be even scarier than halloween or the thing the thing really gets under my skin the thing is very scary the thing and, bugs the, me. and the the effects obviously in, in all of that i was but i was really baked when we saw christine last but in that state, it, it shook me, man. That final scene in Christine, a lot scarier than a killer car movie should be, for sure. Yeah, I was uh, I was mystified at how scary a, a sentient car was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I that was that was another movie. Carpenter movies with me just have that effect of my third time through them going for like this is cool, and like this is part of who I am. <laughs> like I love this. 
Oh, and this, I don't know what, I'd have to look hard at the other ones to see if I could actually put another Carpenter movie over this one. And, oh man, to, to even think of saying that a couple years ago is crazy because so many of his are at the top of my lists. But really, it's like if you love, if you like John Carpenter, this one has it all. Yeah. It has everything you love about John Carpenter movies all together mm-hmm. and really done well. Yeah. Just I've uh, yet to meet one person that it seems like a lot of people are late, late risers to it, but everybody's into it once they finally experience it. And you can be that person. Do it. Do it. Uh, we're going to come back. We have a little bonus. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Carpenter, a little uh, little cherry on this delicious Prince of Darkness Sunday. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. won't feel like a break to you. And then we'll come back with that surprise bonus. Ooh, what's it going to be? It's going to be pro-life. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, that was it. Yeah, no, it's pro-life. <laughs> it's pro-life. It's a TV movie that John Carpenter did for Masters of Horror. I, don't, I forget what network that aired on in the 2000s. Uh, but yeah. it's like a cool John Carpenter hour-long TV horror anthology episode. Yeah, let's uh, yeah let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk pro life. All right, we're back with our little Carpenter bonus. Uh, yeah. This is like a Carpenter taster, but uh, it's pretty cool. It's especially cool for the carpenter completionists out there like we are. Like, totally. You want to see everything this guy's done, you got to check out this Masters of Horror episode. He did two of these, didn't he? Yes, this is the second one that he okay. did. Uh, this one's called Pro-Life, and we've been... The universe has prevented us from watching this movie for like the last year and a half. Because <laughs> uh, at one point we drew Ron Perlman's name out of our cup. As on one of our movie days. Yes, he's one of the stars of this little uh, hour-long short Yeah, he's... Film. Uh, I, guess, I, I would say short film. It, it aired as a TV episode, but for the purposes of a movie podcast, we'll say short, short yeah, film. Yeah, it's nearly an hour. Yeah. It's 55 minutes. And so it feels like you get a good, decently full movie here. This is not a 20-minute teaser. Right. And so when we pull a name out of the cup, then we figure out what thing for this actor we want to be the option. And somehow we landed on this as one of our options. I think well, we're also Ron Perlman completionists. Yeah, we've all exactly. Well. <laughs> this is a good uh, Venn I've diagram. A, I've seen a lot of Perlman in my time, as it as it turns out. Had not seen him in. Yeah, this so yet. I think we arrived. Some of the people that whose names we pull, we kind of go for the more obvious, and this was more of like a well, we've seen all of the the major Ron Perlman, right. so we can dig in, and him in a Carpenter movie caught all of our attention. I think so. Uh, it's not a matchup that we've seen any other time, and seems like a natural one, right? Seems like yeah, Perlman should have been a guy from from the early '80s <laughs> in these things. <laughs> yeah. But you, yeah, you per- Perlman. Uh, it it took a while for him to finally break into the. Oh yeah, he's this guy's great. <laughs> this guy's perfect for these kind of things, and he's perfect in this one. It's a pretty grisly, intense uh, movie. And these Master Horror ones, I think you can, if you just do a Google search, I think they're all on like Daily Motion. You know, it was a TV series on some cable channel that got a lot of cool directors to get involved. Uh, like Argento yeah. uh, was involved away. Larry Cohen it was, uh, did one. 
maybe created, kind of helmed by Mick Garris. Yeah. Who's a big horror guy, <laughs> obviously. It's a big, yeah. So he basically just, yeah, called all his friends and, and uh, colleagues up and was like, yeah. we're the, doing horror. The, the Larry Cohen episode's really good uh, with, of course, Michael Moriarty. Michael Moriarty, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then there's like a controversial Takashi Taka- Miike episode oh. that, that like never aired on television. Oh, cool. It was too controversial. So it had like, uh, this show had some cool buzz. I think there's a couple seasons of it. And yeah, Carpenter did one in each. And this one, though, you know, it's kind of cool. We're <clears throat> TV TV movie lovers <laughs> on this podcast. For sure. Uh, and it's neat seeing Carpenter <laughs> work within the bounds of a TV movie. It had that soft TV movie affectation to it. I it had that four by three look, <laughs> yeah. that you got in because this was yeah two thousand six or seven, mm-hmm. so it wasn't like TV wasn't quite as cinematic just yet. Just yet, yeah. It really it was, real it was right before all the like wider screen HD yeah. became and, the norm. And, and this maybe this didn't get the kind of prestige of The Sopranos or something like that at the time, right? <laughs> I, I would think so. Yeah, this this one definitely it's a lot more daytime shooting a lot of daytime shots and it's a daytime story it had that strong feel of a movie set in the south that's filmed in uh canada yeah you know it had that tv movie vibe or Uh, or the uh, so it it takes place at an abortion clinic that's the pro-life but this really could have just been any building yeah kind of it was it was definitely one of those like yeah it's limited it's out it's out in the like woods somewhere aka it's just like in a suburb field yeah you know uh limited sets and uh you know they put the the budget more towards gore and some of the actors involved namely ron perlman giving a quite professional scary performance good perlman and a lot of these masters of horror, some of them are psychological horror, and there's some body horror, and you know a lot of more traditional jump scare horror. And this one really goes, Carpenter just like, yeah, we're going right after abortion. We're really <laughs> yeah. threading the needle between who the real monsters are in the pro-life, pro-choice vote. It's really the same thing Kevin Smith did a few years later with Red State. Sure. Uh, I'm a big fan of Red State. Most I've liked Kevin Smith project, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, did quite not see that time. turn in uh, in filmmaking for Kevin Smith. But uh, and this is that same thing. It's really showing both sides of it without really necessarily picking one and making both seem weirdly unreasonable while doing a teenage girl birthing the baby of Satan. Yeah, exactly. storyline. A lot of a lot of parallels uh with some Prince like, of Darkness. Like how far do you take your pro life? What if she's pregnant with the devil's baby? Absolutely. And well, uh, it's like, yeah, would you go back in time and kill Hitler in the yeah. womb? No, uh and the movie could be very exploitative and it's instead it goes really like goes really dark and really heavy with some of these things. Uh, beyond just the menace of Ron Perlman. Yeah. Well, the men- that's a good way to put it because Ron Perlman is the protective, overzealous father of this teenage girl who's come to have an abortion. Yeah. He shows up in the big van and uh, wants her to wants her back. He wants yeah. to take her back. And so the, the, the initial tension is he can't come in. There's, well, there's, there's a, a again, another kind of assault on Precinct 13, like standoff happening. Well, and also... It's because he's legally not allowed 
to be near this building. Oh, right. He's got Without a, showing a anything, order. this movie directly implies from the first, before you even meet this character, that it's this true. man has done wrong He's caused against trouble. this clinic before. Yeah, exactly. And that already, when you think of like real life horror stories, the idea of going to a clinic, which is, despite what right-wing media says, is never anybody's easy choice to get this procedure. But then to have 20 or so people out there just calling you the worst names possible right. while you're already going through this trauma, just the the visions of that kind of horror is already putting this movie in like a, uh, we're not in a fun spot. No. Somehow he makes a satanic green goo possession seem a little more fun and camp. You know, hard to do that with abortions. Well, I want to say this would even have been about that same time where you really started having like people shooting up these, you know, that was a big kind of yeah trend for, I guess, for like, oh, yeah, word. hot it, trend still, still going, uh, where you really had a lot of that happening. So yeah, for him to just, for, for this story to place itself there and to, um, yeah. address that. It's just a really shocking thing, especially even, you know, in 2008, when, like I said, the other masters of horror were all like, sure, body horror stuff, but not so, uh, pertinent to our times right as this one not so many and they wrap it up in a monster story in a really cool way uh it's got a fun tv movie horror s- s- soundtrack from cody carpenter right right transition to that who plays with uh you know when his father's gone out on tour right He's over the last few sure. years and has uh his lost themes albums and new recordings of themes cody's a major part of that which is the best this is that the hardest thing to do if you're a kid and your dad is John Carpenter and you're like, you know what I want to get into? Horror yeah. synth scores. It's like it's like Joe Hill writing you know, horror novels being the son of Stephen King. <laughs> I was like, really? One of my least favorite no pressure? least favorite wrestlers of all time, one of the worst wrestlers I've ever seen, is David Flair. Oh, <laughs> Ric Flair's kid? <laughs> yeah. Oh, sure. Now sure. his daughter is really popular, Charlotte, but David Flair is one of the like this guy uh, doesn't understand a single thing about pro wrestling. His dad is Ric Flair. Just, oh, brutal. The wow. brutal shoes to live into. Cody gets it, though. Cody Carpenter. Yeah, your dad. <laughs> I just love the idea of John Carpenter just like being the cool guy who's so cool. It's like, yeah, my son also wants to make these synth horror scores. And, hey, let's work on something together. And now hey, I'm going to. Let's go on a national tour. Let's play the new Sonic the Hedgehog. carpenter just cashing them halloween checks and just playing cod just going like hey my kid get my kid on the soundtrack of the new halloween as well and then just like you know what i've always wanted to make a hard stance on satan abortion let's break my let's break this carpenter is not afraid to bring the issue you know a lot like larry cohen or someone like that he's Mm -hmm. you know prince of darkness has a lot of that anti like, we're frauds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Donald Pleasant's just sitting there in the priest outfit going like, we're charlatans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? And they live, obviously, he's got all that social commentary and stuff. But yeah, this mm-hmm. one is and really we brought up, it on we've, the head. We've brought up Larry Cohen a lot because we can't stop doing Larry Cohen movies. And it and really is just a, a trashy package with some pretty hard-hitting like social stuff sometimes. And uh, we've experienced that with people almost wanting to be like, ha ha, it's a fun, trashy movie, but then kind of being silenced by the the actual seriousness of yeah. this Larry Cohen movie. And uh, yeah, Carpenter does that same kind of deep dive. And it's 
kind of one of those things that just makes me like Larry Cohen and John Carpenter movies more. But yeah, Ron Perlman, the dad banned from being within 200 yards of the abortion clinic due to past unspoken incidences, now has his daughter fleeing to an abortion clinic. So it's already this kind of standoff from the whole movie. And well, it, that's what you think it's going to be. Yeah. For this hour, you think we're going to get this intense, you know, religious, almost cult sure. attack on a on an institution or something kind of a thing. And then, yeah, it quickly becomes apparent that the pregnant girl is not experiencing a normal inbred pregnancy like we all think it is. Yeah. But something a little bit different. Yeah. Uh the, the way the movie keeps growing and building into its monster movie uh, kind of conclusion, you get these, you know, you get classic, more classic Carpenter stuff like we talked with in Prince of Darkness. Uh, namely, when we she actually does, she gets this great growing belly. Oh, yeah. Her pregnancy is advancing at uh, an impossible rate, you know, and uh, this, none of this makes sense to these doctors. And then that's when Perlman and his sons, her brothers, start infiltrating this building, so you get a lot of gunplay, which is not always a Carpenter thing. Gunplay is new. This really felt uh, militaristic. This is his Ghosts of Mars. I could see that, yeah, yeah. The more he watched Call of Duty, the more he had, like, building <laughs> and other uh, infiltration stuff in all his 2000s horror. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we eventually build up to what I think is one of the most disgusting and cringing horror scenes in in modern horror and it's hidden in this tv movie this thing had aired on television and this is one of the most horrific punishing torturous scenes where ron perlman ends up giving one of the abortion doctors an abortion with yeah yeah like a male doctor gets cut open it just and it's one of those in they don't shy away from this material because they aren't making this like hostile. They aren't making this, uh, you know, s- uh, the Saw sequels kind of torture porn. Because uh, Ron Perlman's given such powerful and actually like thought provoking things to say while he's building up to this scene. He's not a madman, totally. He doesn't come across like, like, like that's the thing when you said menacing, that is d- definitely how he plays it. He's not screaming and ranting and raving. He's seems very calculated in his menace. Yeah, and he, he does finally, not seem like a crazy person. And even his son, he brings his son, three sons into it, and even they're like, "Geez, Dad, like, yeah, know, we want to get our sister back." But dude, he keeps t- he keeps ramping it up and taking yeah. it farther. And that whole monologue he does, I think it's some of Ron Perlman's best work. Great actor, but that scene where he's just looking at this, all these old, you know. My dad has old dental tools in in a cabinet in his office. He has a lot of antiques there. Yeah. Yeah. He has a lot of old dental posters, you know, painless Parker, the painless dentist, you know, all this kind of stuff. And this uh, abortion doctor has all these older tools and they look like, you know, I got that same kind of vibe of like dead ringers. Totally. You know, with all these alien tools, you know, and, Ron Perlman's holding all these, and it's like, imagine using these on a person. Like, who's doing that? Who who could do that? And it's such a sane monologue that it's enough to make you just feel like, yeah, well, you know, it is crazy. You know, <laughs> nobody likes it. 
but it's just you can you can see how and why it fits so well into a horror scene. Mm-hmm. And the whole scene, you know where it's headed, and nobody wants it to head to that conclusion. Nobody wants to believe that this is going to happen until it's happening, and it's you know, it's even wor- it's almost worse just framing it within a TV movie. The yeah. workarounds they have to do. You never see it. Yeah, no. you just. You, it lets your mind do all the, uh, all yeah. the heavy lifting. And sometimes when your mind's doing the heavy lifting in a movie like Open Water, it's just like, I don't know, these people are floating in the ocean for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When your mind's doing Could the heavy lifting shark. on something like this, ugh, I was sitting there watching this thing just like, oh, what are we doing? Just seeing blood like going into a vessel that you <laughs> yeah. know is getting sucked out of a dude's taint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You Straight know, up. There you go. That's what it was. I, uh, not a sense I thought I'd say today, but no. Yeah. And uh, this I, that might be the first taint instance <laughs> on the cast. We uh, popped. Our We've taint had, done there. a lot of firsts lately, and we're just <laughs> the boxes are getting a little further down the list of things <laughs> to check off. We've hit a lot of big things already, so feel good about it. The future milestones are not going to be as celebrated, but we even get the big monster movie conclusion. We get a classic: the thing birth. Oh yeah, like a spider baby. Sk- that's that that floor skittering sound straight out of the th- thing. Right, that yeah. Carpenter just knows. He knows floor skittering. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. He knows how to give something some crab slash spider legs, and just let it <laughs> and just let it scurry like out of focus in mm-hmm. the background. Oh, it's a real passion of mine. <laughs> you know, always yeah. looking for new. Yeah, there's we get a pretty grisly birth, and it's all again since it's shot for a TV movie. It's shot kind of from the the pregnant girl's point of view there's way more awful angles this could have hit and he was forced by this tv movie to be in these safer angles but it didn't make it anymore uh pleasant i'm i I feel like that probably would have been the way he he would have done it anyways because the the shot of this this crab leg extending out between this woman's legs is just like okay Yeah, the whole I t- don't want to be here anymore. The whole time when we knew we were dealing with something different and the reveal of just what weird thing yeah. we were dealing with. Oh, gosh. And, uh, yeah, you get... It's so rare. You'd think in a TV movie that, oh, man, are we actually going to see the Prince of Darkness? Is Satan himself going to show up to this clinic? And the Satan appearance, pretty cool Satan. Pretty crazy, yeah. We we went with kind of a minotaur Satan in this one. It's like it's a bit of a bull. I, I like Minotaur Satan. Yeah, Minotaur Satan's a cool interpretation. I'm a fan of Minotaur Satan over uh, Secret of the Ooze Satan. Right, right, right. But I do like how he just is like burst through the floor. Yeah, like he's come from the depths of hell, <laughs> and he's like, "Where am I? What is? <laughs> yeah, I'm in an office building somewhere. <laughs> just walking around. Yeah, well, yeah, the." Uh, the uh, we we get an interestingly handled like the in the con you know conception scene with this girl just out in a swing set also getting pulled down. Oh yeah, they that do was that a really flashback. scary scene for her. Not because of what they showed, but it was her description of what like the devil did to her. Mm. Oh God, that's like more powerful than I was expecting from this ah, TV movie. But yeah, we get this this minotaur devil stalking through an abortion clinic. It's like, all right, that's a pretty cool Satan. <laughs> pretty cool Satan. John Carpenter has chosen about the two very most opposite ways to represent the devil on film. One as a literal cloven hoofed 
horned demon, mm-hmm. and the other as sentient green projectile liquid, <laughs> and an endless, vast, subatomic nothing. Those are two very polar opposites of the devil. We work towards the middle <laughs> any other way. You can't get more to the left and more to the right of those yeah. devil descriptions. And it's great that, like, hey, you know, it's been 20 years. Time to reimagine Satan. <laughs> and I, I, I love it. it a more Greek approach this time. Yeah, I've, I've watched this episode a couple of times, and it uh, the first time it seems, you know, it's an, just like all these other Carpenters. After we watch the second time, it's just like, damn, that was heavier hmm. than I remember it. This is, this is strong. This is one of the best of the Masters of Horror, of which there, I think there's like 20 24 episodes of them. This is one of the very best. That and the Larry Cohen one are like my two personal favorites. Nice. But yeah, check them out. They're online. You can buy the blue. I think I bought the Blu-ray that has, they sell them Blu-rays in like, you know, three or four episodes per Blu-ray and you can find them cheap. They're like four bucks. Yeah. I don't know where you, yeah. Google it guys. You can find these. We're not here to do Uh, it. They're not on any streaming (laughs) service because they aired on cable in the 2000s. And so, but well worth checking out. And if you like that, look up the names that did some of the other episodes and yeah, cherry pick. It's an impressive, yeah, lineup. It's it's really solid for horror TV. I don't really love the American horror story brand of, Right. this is what we're getting the biggest budget horror TV in history to do, really. But there's still shows like this that can crank out these uh, respectable budget horror cool bottle horror episodes so check it out there you go john carpenter tv movies check out anything with john carpenter's name Just on look it at it. this if point carpenter right? is the stamp of approval baby we're we're eventually going to tick through all of them we got another movie day coming up in a couple weeks an outdoor backyard thing and i think we're going to do the carpenter box again so we may get the memoirs of an invisible man. Fingers crossed. And Starman might have accidentally not gotten included in the box. <laughs> what an oversight. What happened? It would have to be an idea we talk about with the group because the group is perceptive enough that somebody will be like, I don't remember Starman getting called. Well, that's why you just have a blank piece of paper in your hand and then you call out Starman first and then, you know, we move on with our lives. <laughs> now I'm having to pocket a blank piece of paper? That's I'm having, how Griff's work. I'm having to Griff. do sleight of hand just to avoid watching Starman. That's how Starman. this works, Eric. <laughs> We're planning a lot of backstory to get out of watching Starman. But yeah, check out Pro-Life. Check out John Carpenter. Dude. celebrate the man absolutely yeah it came to this there's going to be more this is going to be a carpenter cast from here on out we're getting through we are, you're we're not going to get an argument out of we're me we're on borrowed time as it is we <laughs> yeah, just right. need to go through the rest of carpenter that's it nothing else <laughs> oh, we'll be back with some other director next week yeah you know whatever <laughs> it came to this it came to this I'm Charlie I'm Eric good night